welcome back to Blue Skies and Green Pastures. I've got a touchy subject for us today. It's called the idolatry of pride. And yes, I'm talking about Pride Month. And this is a really sensitive topic because many of us have gay children, gay siblings, gay relatives, gay friends that we love and, you know, have relationships with. So this is not going to be um, like a Bible verse filled um, explanation why I, why the Bible says homosexuality is a sin or has it been misinterpreted or anything like that? I am coming at this from a different angle. So as I said, I'm going to talk about idolatry. And I think this is really important because idolatry is, is a huge problem in our society today. And I really think that one of the reasons for that is because we live in an, a very prosperous era. We have all the comforts, we have technology, we have money, we have food, we have freedom, we have um, recreation, you know, uh, free time, you know, leisure, we have just everything. I mean, we are living in a, a glorious age of prosperity and I think during a time like that it's very easy to turn our lifestyle it can become an idol and you know one of the things is that that, that can be contagious so you can make one thing an idol another thing an idol another thing an idol and you know I think that what has happened is that sexuality has become an idol. So, um, June is Pride Month. This is a time in which we are directed to honor the lives of LGBT, whatever else, people, and recognize that they make important contributions to society and the world. However, considering that the Bible calls both homosexuality and pride sins, I choose not to participate in celebrating either one. Now, I have no problem valuing people or recognizing their contributions to society apart from their sexual preferences. It is not necessary to group the two together because we are not meant to make idols out of their sexuality, our sexuality. So let's be honest and call Pride Month what it really is. It's glorification of the flesh month. What do I mean by that? Well, glorification means that something is made perfect or sinless. 
And when we die, those of us who have been justified and sanctified by our faith in Jesus, when we die, we will be glorified. We will get new bodies and we will no longer be in these broken, uh, mortal, sinless bodies. We will be glorified. So I say that Pride Month is a way of glorifying sexuality. Not only saying that it's legal and that gay people should not be you know, uh, murdered or discriminated against in, you know, as far as jobs or housing or whatever. But they want us to remove the designation of sin that God applies to homosexuality in his word. But that's a problem for me because I believe that the Bible is the word of God. So, Let's talk about this idolatrous view of sexuality. Um, In the past, people did not base their identity on their sexuality. Uh, They based their identity on other things, such as their character, honesty, integrity, industriousness, hardworking, compassion, generosity, kindness, selflessness, and other traits that emphasize how we live and treat other people. This was connected to the idea that people should be judged by the content of their character, not their looks or race. And in my opinion, this is a much more fair and um, righteous way of judging people. And that's pretty much what the Bible says too. So... How did sexuality become such a central part of our identity? This is something new. This is, this is something based on progressive uh, philosophy and progressive politics and progressive ideologies such as critical race theory and just, it's it's been building up for like, hundred years now. Um, so the thing is some people do have same-sex desires. It's not unusual. I mean it's not I wouldn't say that it's common but I w- it is not unusual. So in the 50s Alfred Kinsey wrote a book about male homosexuals and he basically decided that they were um you know not that not that rare and he decided that sexual sexuality was more of a continuum and a range of options versus you know gay or straight and 
his was kind of like the first um, domino to fall. His book really made a big impact on public perception. Now, there were still many decades to go of, you know, convincing the public that homosexuality was just another option and, you know, that should be normalized. There were many steps, and I found a really good web, uh, an article on the pbs.org uh, that gives a really good timeline about all the different things that happened. And I'm not going to read all of them, but I was really surprised that as far back as 1924, a man named Henry Gerber had started a gay rights organization. But I'm not really that surprised because the 20s were a wild time. The 20s were like the 60s. There was a lot of sin going on. So the fact that there was a gay rights organization in the 20s is really not that unusual. Um, but it didn't, it didn't hold up very well and it ended up being disbanded. So then it was like another 24 years before Kinsey published his book um, concluding that homosexual behavior is practiced by many people. <laughs> um, and then in 1950, Harry Hay founded the first gay rights organization called the Mattachine or Mattachine Society. Um, and it, it ended up sticking around. However, the government was still very anti-gay at that time. And homosexuals were labeled as security risks and had to be, you know, they were fired if, if you were found out to be gay. In 1952, the American Psychiatric Association listed homosexuality as a sociopathic personality disturbance. Uh, some people pushed back from that. And then in 53, President Eisenhower banned homosexuals from working for the federal government or contractors. And then, um, let's see, in 58, there was a landmark Supreme Court case that ruled in favor of the First Amendment rights of a gay magazine because it was declared obscene. But the Supreme Court ruled in favor of the magazine. And then in 62, the state of Illinois uh, decriminalized homosexual sex and then, uh, so it just kept going. Year after year, they would make, you know, progress in removing the stigma. In 73, the American Psychiatric Association removed homosexuality from its list of mental illnesses. So 1973, that was a very big milestone uh, in gay rights. Okay, so the, in the 70s, it was a pretty big battle 
there were people fighting to to stop the rise of gay rights. And in 1979, there was a national march in Washington of 75,000 people uh, demanding civil rights for gay people and protective legislature. So in so they just kept on doing more and more things in the 80s and then in 87 or be, maybe a little before AIDS became a thing. So that really brought the gay community into the news even more so. So President George Bush signed the Ryan White Care Act, a federally funded program for people living with AIDS. And then in 93, the Department of Defense issued a prohibition against barring applicants from service based on sexual orientation. And then things really ramped up. In 1996, Clinton signed the Defense of Marriage Act and said that no no state was required to recognize a same-sex marriage from another state. However, Clinton in 99 also started the Pride Month. So, Clinton was a progressive. Um, let's see. And then in the 2000s, you know, it it really picked up speed. Lots of wins in the courts. So that's a little bit of history there. But yeah, as I said, Bill Clinton officially declared the month of June as Gay and Lesbian Pride Month in 99 and said that, you know, the achievements of gay and lesbians should be recognized and celebrated. Well, it's definitely grown and grown and grown to be much, much more than simply celebrating the achievements of the gay community. However... Back to the idolatry. Why are humans so obsessed with sex as part of their identity and just fulfilling their sexual desires? Well, it's because of our sin nature. Our physical desires became more powerful and our desire to please God became less powerful after Adam and Eve sinned. Now, this this is expressed differently according to individual personalities and genetic makeup. Some people are born with very strong homosexual tendencies. Others might be fairly, you know, strong at balancing our physical and spiritual um, desires. And then others might be very controlled by physical things such as greed, pride, lust, 
anger, or gluttony. All of those are physical. They're emotional, they're physical, they're sensual, they're fleshly. Eating is good, but gluttony is a sin. Sexuality is good, but lust is a sin. Emotions are good and normal, but we should not be controlled by our emotions. But the good news of the gospel is that by God's grace, through Jesus, we can be freed from the tyranny of this fleshly control that we're born with. We can be free from the the control of the desire to fulfill every, you know, impulse that we have. And then when we die, our bodies will be truly glorified and we will no longer have to fight those tendencies. We will no longer have to resist the devil daily like we do now. But for now, unless we are born again, it can be very difficult for some people to ignore those urges. And so they think that this is just who they are. They make it their identity and they just go with it. But, you know, we we wouldn't do that with any other things like greed, pride, or gluttony. We wouldn't just say, oh, sure, just eat till you die. Just, uh, you know, become a greedy capitalist and don't worry about how the effects that you have on other people. And, oh, sure, just, you know, be a prideful, selfish person. If that's what makes you happy, go for it. You know, we don't do that because we know that we should not give in to those kind of powerful, you know, intuitive desires. We're not animals. We can control our desires. And, And when we are born again, we can become controlled by the Spirit. The Spirit will help us with with our sinful fleshly weaknesses this is the good news of the bible it's not so this podcast is not an intention and, and is not intended to make anyone feel guilty it's it's intended to make you question why are you making this one thing so important could you have been led astray by the culture into thinking that your sexuality defines you because it doesn't that is not that your most important characteristic if you become a child of god you will no longer be controlled by your sexual desires. And another thing I want to mention is it's it's a terrible sin when adults do not protect 
the innocence of children. When, when we allow children to be exposed to sexual images and messages and, and um, events such as drag shows, and we, when we tell them that, that these things are normal and good, we are in serious sin against God. Because we are supposed to protect the innocence of children. They are not old enough to even be thinking about sex. And we should not be confusing them in this way. This is a terrible, grievous sin. And God is going to judge that sin. We must protect the children and their minds. And their souls. Because once they fall into the trap of, of making their flesh their identity, it can be hard for them to, to get out of that trap. And we see that already by how many children are so confused about what's real and who they are and the purpose of life. They're looking for meaning in the wrong places. So in conclusion, I hope that this helps you see that making your sexual identity the most important thing in your life is idolatry. Because your relationship with God should be number one. You should love God more than anything else. And that includes even your same-sex attraction or, you know, you know, one more thing I want to say. Say you're a young person, a college kid, and you have a very close friendship with someone. At that same time period in your life, you have a lot of hormones flowing because God designed our bodies to reproduce in the late teens and 20s. So we are we're very sexual during those ages. That's why we were supposed to get married young and have children young. But today not many people are doing that. So they are misinterpreting these sexual reproducing instincts for love. So I urge you not to confuse the two. And if, you know, even Paul says in the Bible, it's if you are if you can't control yourself, you should get married and have children. <laughs> Don't don't think that just because you are very close to someone of the same sex that you are, quote, gay. That's not true. Your identity is not meant to be based on your hormonal urges, no matter how old you are. So I hope that clears some of that up. But the, I want everyone listening to this to know that God forgives sin 
when you put your faith in Jesus, he forgives all your sins, sexual sins, and every other kind of sin. So take your sins to Jesus. Ask him to forgive you, whether you sin in homosexual sin or some other kind of sin. We are told to confess. So when you do that, you can receive the peace that passes understanding. And you can begin to be freed from the control of your flesh. And no longer make your flesh an idol. Instead, you can worship God who loves you, who created you, and who wants the best for you, who knows what's best for you, who has good things planned for you if you will submit your life to him. If you will begin to pray to him daily, if you will begin to seek his will for your life rather than your own will, he will guide you, he will lead you, and he will help change your sinful desires into righteous ones. So thanks for listening to Blue Skies and Green Pastures.